take a Bible and turn to page 484, Psalm 71. Psalm 71, page 484, if you pick up a black-covered Bible on a chair around you. And I would like to draw your attention just to two verses of this psalm that I'd like to look at for a few minutes this morning, verses 17 and 18. It's our custom to celebrate the Lord's Supper on the first Sunday of the month, and the first Sunday of the year, I usually call it covenant renewal. In fact, every celebration of uh, communion is meant to be a renewal from our side of our understanding and experience of the new covenant that we are a part of. But on the first Sunday of the year, we explicitly give our time and attention to that. So I'd like to read these two verses, verses 17 and 18, Psalm 71. O God, from my youth you have taught me, and I still proclaim your wondrous deeds. So even to old age and gray hairs, O God, do not forsake me until I proclaim your might to another generation, your power to all those to come. Let's pray. Again, Father, we thank you for the privilege of coming into your presence this morning. We know that the Bible tells us clearly that your presence is uh, something mysterious to us. There are creatures, angelic creatures, that surround your throne, and four of them at least seem to have the ceaseless duty of crying out your holiness. And, And we know that that's not so that people will know that you are holy. It carries the idea of uh, those who are guarding lest someone rush into your presence and in the presence of infinite holiness find themselves consumed because you are infinitely holy. You are set apart from everything else. And we, your creatures, can only come into your presence when we are in a right state. But we thank you that Through the gospel, we are in that state. That the Lord Jesus Christ says that we can take him, or that he, we might say, will take us by the hand and bring us into your very presence that we might worship you and know you. In fact, you invite us, you call us to do that. And this morning, we respond to that by acknowledging that we want to be with you, to find you as you are, for you to teach us yourself through your word. And we ask that this morning you would do that. Teach us today in the way that each of us needs to be your willing followers. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, last month I mentioned that I had been at a um, banquet, kind of a brunch, I guess, the second Saturday of December. And it was a brunch put on by an organization called Christian Expansion. And this was an organization, just a few businessmen in the Detroit area, that started 50 years ago by pooling some of their resources, and they began to use it to support missionaries and to help churches get started and that kind of thing. And um, it happens that it's the organization that originally wound up with this property that we are in. There was a church meeting here. They had started the building. It was very unfinished. It had been here for 10 years. And as they were really struggling, the bank was about to foreclose on them. And these uh, Christian men stepped in and they uh, loaned the money to the church in order for them not to be foreclosed on. But in the course of time, that church eventually died. And when that happened, Christian Expansion ended up with the property and we acquired it from them. We paid off some 
secured and unsecured debts that they had not paid off. And we finished the building, at least in its initial stages. A lot has been done to it since then. But Christian Expansion was the, the organization that really helped us when we got started. And the banquet, it happens, was almost 30 years to the day when we dedicated this building. We had a service uh, the first Sunday, I think it was, in uh, December of 1984 or 86. We met in this room, and there were the members of Christian Expansion present, as well as uh, the people from our fledgling church. And there were some people who I guess you've probably never heard of, but they're famous in very small ponds in other places, like Kevin Dyer, who was the founder of a mission board called International Teams, which I was connected with when I moved here to start the church. A man named John McCallum, who was the president of Stewards Foundation, who uh, an organization that provided our health insurance for the first few years and things like that. And um, about half of those who spoke that night, when I look at the program, are, are now with the Lord. And the other half are still people who are around. And one of them uh, was one of our first elders, Frank Kierdorf. He goes to a church that we started in Commerce, Grace Community Church. And uh, he is on the Christian Expansion Board, but he was, uh, I understand, declining, and he was too feeble to be able to leave his home uh, for that banquet. But also Hugh Gulledge, for those of you who know Hugh, he led singing that night, which is always quite an interesting experience to have Hugh lead singing if you've ever been there. But um, what I'd like to do is give you an opportunity to hear the closing prayer that night. I happen to have an audio recording of it, and I would like them to play. This was Dr. David Thompson. He was, uh, for many years, an elder in churches in the area. He was an optometrist in the Detroit area. And he was about 80 years old in 1984. He died around 1990. And he prayed the closing prayer at the conclusion of that service. I see I'm on the end of the program, being probably the oldest one here, the male sex. But I praise God, I'm thrilled tonight, just simply thrilled to see what I've been witnessing. Looking around the building, seeing the various rooms, hearing of the work here, I just want to praise God. I'm just, just thrilled. And I can look back for the time, and some of the rest of the men here can do the same. When I drove out in an automobile, and we cruised around the various hills in this area, and a man sat next to me. His name was Don Frazier, and he pointed out various spots. There would be a good place, David. There would be a good place for a chapel. And we went over to Cliff May's home afterwards, and we had a time of prayer together, praying that God would raise up a work for him. Somehow I feel, and I'm just using my imagination, that Don is looking down here tonight. Wouldn't he be loved to be here and praise God with you for what has happened? So I'm just going to lead in the closing prayer. Thank God and dedicate this work and this chapel to his glory, following our brother McCollum. Our gracious God and Heavenly Father, we do come to you tonight to thank you afresh for your mercies to us. We thank you tonight for this 
evening together. We thank you for what you have wrought in Grace Countryside Church. O oh God and Father, you have brought men and women to Christ. You have developed men and women to your glory. You're establishing a work here, and we praise you for it. Gracious Father, we thank you for Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, the center on which this whole operation operates on. We thank you for him tonight. We thank you for each one here who knows him as his personal Savior. And if there's anyone here tonight who has not, oh God, save him and speak to his heart, we pray, through this united testimony. And our Father, we thank you for the workers that you have sent along. We think of Tom and Tim and their families, the sacrifices they've made and the labor they've made for you. And we thank you for them and for the other workers that you've brought along, matured workers and younger workers. We just thank you for this. And for all the prayers and the planning and all the finances gone into this building, gracious Father, we just thank you for it. And we just praise you for every bit of it. And our Father, tonight we would just want to dedicate this building to you and to your work. We want to dedicate it to you and to Jesus Christ and to your glory and to the work through the Holy Spirit. And, O oh God, may it be a place, these walls, may they encompass us, may it be a place to worship and remember the Lord in spirit and in truth. May it be a place where Christians are built up in their most holy faith. May it be a place where many will turn to Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. And, O oh God, may it be a place where the Great Commission is carried out to go out to all the world and preach the gospel, not only in Milford or in Highland, but in Michigan and out to the uttermost parts of the world. And, O oh God, may it be a place, may these walls compass where Christians meet together for love and care for one another as they develop in their Christian faith. O oh God, we dedicate this building and its facilities to you tonight, and may God get all the glory. And now, O oh God, we praise you for these buildings. Keep us humble, we pray. And may we look to the Holy Spirit to lead and to direct Grace Countryside Church to the glory of God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, a few years later, Dr. Thompson was gone. There was a man named Harold Head, some of you have heard of, was uh, just a little bit younger than Dr. Thompson, and he was our first elder here. He kind of formed the elder board and was my mentor in ministry for the beginning of the church. He passed away in the year 2000, and others like him. In 1986, when we had that meeting here, some of you in this room had not been born. And others of you uh, were grade school children or not old enough to really pay attention to the events that I'm talking about. But I want to have you think about one thing that Dr. Thompson said, and that was he referred to a man named Don Frazier. 
And I heard this from Harold Head, too. Don was an elder in churches, and I never met him. He passed away before I moved here to start the church. And Don Frazier um, would drive out here with different men that he knew from various churches, and he would just drive around. It was from Brighton Township kind of to Waterford and north and south. He'd, he'd drive around, and he'd say, well, that would be a good place to start a church. And they would pray together about that happening. And both of those men, Dr. Thompson and Harold Head, saw what happened here as being the fulfillment of Don Frazier's prayers. Even though I had never met him before, I didn't know him, it was the fulfillment of something that he was fostering in people's thinking over a period of time. The Bible uses a very potent image to understand what the church is about. When I say church, I don't mean this church. I mean the Christian movement, the church that Jesus is building, that is represented by local churches like this one. Jesus said when Peter confessed him for the first time, on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And it's that church that God is in the process of building in this world. It started after Jesus' death with the apostles going out and starting the first churches. And the image that the Bible uses to describe that is a massive building, in fact, a temple a a temple built of rough-hewn stones in which each stone is shaped uniquely and particularly to fit in a certain place in this temple that grows up. It is said at the end of Ephesians chapter 2 that this holy temple is built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets because a building must have a secure and firm foundation and the apostles and prophets, those who were taught by Christ himself and went out and founded the first churches, They were the foundation of the ministry and the movement that we call the Christian church. And each generation builds on that. In each generation, the Apostle Peter says, are like stones in that temple. So when Peter describes the Holy Temple in 1 Peter chapter 2, he says that um, you yourselves as living stones are being built up as a spiritual house. So just as Christ is the chief cornerstone, we're told, each individual believer, each true believer is shaped by God in unique ways in order to fit in one specific spot in that holy temple as it grows up. And we're said to be living stones. This is an illustration. It's not literal. It's, it's meant to picture that even though we're stones, like in this massive temple that is a dwelling place of God that's being built, we are individual living beings that have certain temperament and capabilities and abilities and liabilities and all of those things. And God takes who we are, individual, and he shapes it in order to be what he wants to fit into this building that he is building. And that's what brings us to this passage I want to think about. Oh God, from my youth you have taught me and I still proclaim your wondrous deeds. So even to old age and gray hairs, oh God, do not forsake me until I proclaim your might to another generation, your power to all those to come. I want to think about two things briefly. The first is in the first verse. From my youth you have taught me and I still proclaim your wondrous deeds. First thing that we should recognize when we think about what God is doing is that we are built on the sturdy Christians who went before us. That's how the church works. We are built on generations of people, whether or not our physical ancestors were a part of the Christian movement or not. 
We as individual believers, if we are Christians, we are built on the work of those who went before us, who walked with God, and they were shaped by God and developed by God. And this is true for us as individuals, and it's true for us as a church. As individuals, if you're a believer here today, then you, you didn't just come to Christ out of nowhere. There were people who shaped you and influenced you. Some of you might be very clear on that. You might have been brought up in a Christian home where your parents talked to you about Jesus and encouraged you to trust him as your Savior and to follow him, and they might have shown you that in the way that they lived That's a great blessing, but others of us didn't have that. But there might have been a Sunday school teacher who really impacted your life and guided you spiritually at an important point in life. It may have been friends, relatives. In fact, there were probably for everyone a number of people. For me, it was people I met in college, and particularly one man who was like my spiritual mentor and gave me some very basic understanding of what the Christian faith is all about. Our lives are built on the foundation of many other people. But it's also true for us as a church. For example, I never knew Don Frazier. But others, as I came here and I helped to start a church and the church began to grow, saw that what I was involved in was fulfilling something that someone else had prayed, not even for me individually, but for some Christian worker to come and to start a church. We don't always know the spiritual influences in our lives. I mean, even think of Dr. Thompson's prayer. He, he prayed there for those who would come to faith in Christ through the ministry of this church. He prayed for Christians who gathered here, gather here to be strengthened and encouraged to uphold one another as we go through the storms of life. All of those things, each one of us here falls into the categories that he spoke about. He was praying for those who would meet in this place and would learn to follow the Lord and would follow him. And you never knew him, but he prayed for you. He prayed for you, and the results of his prayer are shown in the kind of church that we are. We are built as a church on the sturdy Christians who went before us, some of whom we knew and some we didn't. And then there's a second thing that comes from the last, the second verse of uh, I read to you, and that's that we must become those sturdy believers on whom the next generation will build the church. That's our call. Our call is to be shaped by God and uh, and uh, guided in such a way that we will become those individuals who realize that our lives matter to God. You know, as we go through life, I know what it's like. So many other things come along to pay attention to and spend time at and think about. And and we may feel at times like we're one among seven billion people. We may be in a large family where so few people have any personal knowledge of God or any interest in him. And we feel like, you know, I just don't think it really matters what I do and how I live. And yet the Bible tells us over and over again, it reminds us in places like this, that how we live matters to God. It matters ultimately to other people because whole generations are meant to be built on us. We're meant to be those sturdy kind of people like Dr. Thompson was that others will build on in the future. You may know the people who build on you in the future. They may be things that you do now that contribute to what happens in the future that you never know about. 
So when you avoid temptation and you seek to walk with God and you try to give him your devotion and turn away from things that are less important, you are preparing to be a living stone that the church is built on. It's not only true of us as individuals, it's true of us as a church because faithful, sturdy, robust Christians make a faithful, sturdy, robust church. And it's that kind of church that has the power of God to reach into communities and draw people to faith in Christ. We have the privilege in our church of having pretty much all generations from cradle to grave, you know, are, are here. And that wasn't always true. When I started the church, I was 30 years old. I remember for a number of years, everybody was about my age and my wife's age and had little children. We were a bunch of 30-year-old people. And I once said to Harold Head, who was older, um, you know, we need some older people around here. And what I really meant was the young mothers are getting tired of being in the nursery every week because they do that. Uh, every week because there's nobody else to do it and they do it all week long too and they're sick of it and so I said we want some grandmothers who want to be in there and kiss the babies you know and uh, I don't think he knew that's what I meant but you know we want we need some older people here and what he said to me I've said it before but he said just wait a few years you'll have all the old people you want (laughs) and that's obviously prophetic you know here I am I'm a grandfather I'm married to a grandmother. (laughs) But, you know, having all generations of people doesn't make a church a faithful, steady church. It contributes to it because it it makes us like a family, a true family, an extended family where there's all generations when they meet together. I mean, it's like that. It's a good characteristic to build on, but that by itself doesn't do it. You know, at the Christian Expansion Brunch, a man spoke. He's the president or the chairman of this small organization, Christian Expansion. His name is Andrew Renfrew, and I've known Andrew because he was a contemporary of Harold Head, a little bit younger, for many years. And Andrew's 92 years old now, still going strong. His wife has passed away, but he's still leading this organization. And I remember when we first started our church and we met for two years before we moved here. We started in 1984. We met in a little building that's on Milford Road in M59. Uh, there used to be a gas station on the corner, which is now just kind of an empty lot. And behind it, there's We Friends Daycare Center. That was the Highland Congregational Church until 1984. And they moved to a building out in Hickory Ridge. And we, actually Christian Expansion, purchased that building, held on to it for two years, and sold it to the daycare center that's been there ever since. But it was such a quaint, it was a great place to start a church. Now, the whole building, with every room in it, could fit in half of this auditorium. So when I say we went to two services after the first year, you know, it sounds so impressive, but it didn't take very much (laughs) to have to go to two services. And uh, I remember the first winter we realized that the stained glass windows might be kind of quaint, but they were extremely cold. Like they didn't keep anything out, and it was a cold winter. And so what happened is... um, Andrew Renfrew came out, and he helped one Saturday. He brought some people, and we supplied some people. And they built these, like, wooden frames, you know, that fit right in where the stained glass was, and they covered them with plastic so they'd go right in there. And I remember thinking, you know, for an old guy, he can really work hard. Like, he was there all day long. And then when he got up to speak and I was kind of doing things in my head, I realized he was how old I am right now. 
and I'm obviously not old, so I must have, you know, must have been a misperception on that part. But, you know, here he is as now an old man, and he's still talking about the things of God. And he talked about our church and what happened here and other churches that they helped to start and so forth. At the brunch, he told a story. He told a story of a young man that he knew who came to his church where he was an elder. And uh, he had been converted in the military and come home from the army. And, and over a period of time, he had led every one of his family members to Christ. And he used his name, and his name was Robin. And first, didn't really realize he was talking about Robin Winnie. And Robin Winnie was sitting right beside me. And, and Andrew Renfrew's telling this story, and Robin started to cry, like sob, like snot coming out of his nose. And <laughs> it, he took the tablecloth and he's wiping his nose. It's kind of embarrassing actually, but you know, I thought that's what the church is all about. Andrew's looking back and he's remembering someone 30, 40 years before who was a young man, got out of the army and was now raising a family, had been a part of his church and grown and Robin was the person in whose home this church started because he lived out here. And uh, that's what church is all about. The thing we have to remember and the thing I want us to think about this morning as we bring our hearts to God, we reflect on our own relationship with God individually and on our church family and our fellowship with one another and with God as we renew the covenant. What I, what I want you to think about is the fact that we are built, both as individuals and as a church, on the sturdy Christians who went before us, who didn't play games with religion or just show up every once in a while, but who lived their lives for Jesus Christ. Despite all of their failings and their weaknesses and whatever it is they struggled with, they sought to live their lives for Jesus. He was the most important thing. And that's what we're built on here as a church, from people we never met or never knew. And we need to be those sturdy believers that the next generation can build on. That's what makes a healthy church. Let's pray. Again, Father, we thank you that you are the one who is building your church. That's what the Lord Jesus told us. On this rock, I will build my church. On Peter, his confession of faith. And that is what the church is built on, that confession that Jesus Christ is Lord, that you have redeemed us through the blood of Christ and you make us your children and you place us in families with one another in local communities like this so that we might encourage each other and strengthen each other and live for you and so that we might beckon other people to come to faith in Christ and draw them into the fellowship of the gospel and see them saved by the grace of God and learn to live for your glory. And we pray that you would continue to do that. Even this morning, as we think about these things, help us to reflect on our own hearts and our own lives and not to bring to you whatever failings or difficulties we struggle with, but to bring to you our hearts and ask you to continue to work in them, to renew us, to strengthen us, to change us, to make us the people you want us to be. And we pray this in Jesus' name.